Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your hosts, as always, Tim and Julie Harris. We're broadcasting live from lovely Austin, Texas. And you guys are going to have to give Julie and I a little creative license on today's podcast because we're going to talk about something that is of personal interest to us that we think will be in personal interest to a lot of you. And the topic is, wait for it, stoicism. Uh Uh-oh, what the heck is that? It's a philosophy of life, and we're going to be getting into the weeds a little bit and sharing with you guys the history of it. And then we're going to give you a few of these stoic principles, and we're going to tell you why this should matter to you in your business and why it should matter to you in your life. So we're going to take you in a slightly different direction. Um, As you guys know, we're all about practical and tactical and helping you put yourself in a place where you can help others and make money. And the principles of stoicism, and we're going to give you a point-by-point explaining what it is, I think will reinforce what that message is or reinforce what that, you know, being of service to others and not being ashamed of being profit-oriented and profit-focused. You guys will find that a lot of these ancient principles from, you know, Greek civilization from trillions of years ago, you'll see in a lot of the points that we've been uh, feeding to you guys for the past few years on this podcast and also obviously in the book Harris Rules. So Julie and I had this idea over the weekend that we need to start uh, introducing all of you guys to a helping you develop your own personal philosophy of life in business because a lot of you guys have sort of a mishmash of rules and ideas, but how many of you actually have an exact personal philosophy? And so this is going to be an introduction to uh, stoicism. It's something that Julie and I came across decades ago, and we've you know sort of read books and kind of, it's been a hobby of ours. And I think you'll see that when we start sharing with you the stoic principles that you'll see a lot of the same elements that have carried themselves into our own business. Well, of course, right? So, Julie, before uh, we get to the first point, do you have anybody you would like to recognize from the private Facebook page or from uh, any new uh, great reviews on our book, Harris Rules, which is now a number one international bestseller, which is insane. Yes, and also available in soft cover as well as downloadable to your device. Even if it says Kindle on there, you can download it to your iPad, etc. So it's your choice how you'd like to uh, receive that now. And if you haven't gotten your copy, Amazon.com, Harris Rules, you'll see it right there. Okay, so just a lot of kind of a general shout-out to all of our great Mastermind listeners who have taken the challenge. So lots of Facebook action with people making their commitment to what they're going to be listing this quarter as well as uh, taking action physically to get to their fighting weight so they can start the, the year right and not wait until they have all that holiday weight to lose. So lots of pictures of people showing up at the gym at 6 a.m., and pictures of not that many cars in the parking lot of their real estate office. You know, people really embracing the idea of taking action fourth quarter and being different than many of their colleagues who kind of, sort of, or completely check out fourth quarter and then try and revamp first quarter. And Tim, you and I were talking, I think, last night about the fact that it's so much easier to just stay in momentum, maybe not the same momentum that you would have on, say, January 1st, but to keep your energy level high, keep your action level high fourth quarter so that you're ready for first quarter instead of hibernating and then trying to kick it in gear miraculously 
in the dead of winter, right? Um, which means more to some people than others, but it's so much easier to keep yourself in momentum. And I have to give a shout out to Michael Hancock, who uh, finished his pre-listing package and his wipe off boards and has a beautiful uh, picture of his office, which looks like a very productive, ready to rumble office. And he did all of that also on his birthday. So shout out to you. Nice job. Back to you, Tim. So Mastermind, you mentioned that, Julian, read the chat. So Mastermind uh, was for our uh, the folks who have helped to make the book number one and a number one international bestseller. Uh, if you want information on the Mastermind, we you know we can't enforce this really, but you have to have purchased the book and ideally left us a review after you've read a couple chapters at least of the book on Amazon. And so the Mastermind officially started last Friday. If you want to be part of that, if you had uh, purchased the book and left us a review, the Mastermind is absolutely free. But like I said, truthfully, I have no way of really policing that. Um, so the information on the Mastermind is on uh, – go to timandjulieharris.com and just go to the search bar and put in the word Mastermind. And uh, also, you have to actually register for the Mastermind, and then you'll be sent the information on the weekly calls. We started that last Friday. There is a replay of last Friday's Mastermind on timandjulieharris.com. The feedback from that first call was phenomenal, and we started – and this is just for the Mastermind people. They know what this is. We started the TFW 90-Day 10 Listing 10-Pound Challenge. So if you guys are members of the Mastermind, make sure you're abiding by that and you're posting every day on the private Facebook page your progress on the completion of those goals. So, Julie, back to you. Yes, okay, so this seemingly big thought of stoicism, okay, might seem a little out there for some of you, but bear with us and we're going to make it practical, applicable, applicable tactical for you. So I'm going to give you a little brief history, and Tim, feel free to interrupt me if I'm nerding out too much. I'm trying to keep this fairly succinct so they can digest this. So what is Stoicism? A brief definition. It's a school of Hellenistic philosophy, so that makes it really super old, third century BC kind of old. Stoicism was founded in Athens by a guy named Zeno, and he was from a city called Citium, okay? But it's also been practiced, the, mo the three most prominent, in addition to Zeno, was Epic, I don't know it, I have a hard time with this word, so you can feel free to torture me back for the audible that I've been putting you through. Okay, so Epictetus, I think is right, Seneca, and more famously, Marcus Aurelius. The philosophy asserts that virtue, like wisdom, is happiness and judgment based on behavior rather than words, that we don't control and cannot rely on external events, only ourselves and our responses. So you guys can kind of feel where we're going to go with this with your day-to-day -day real estate practices. Now, Stoicism has some central teachings. It reminds us of how unpredictable the world can be, how brief our moment in life is, and how to be steadfast, to be strong and in control of yourself. And finally, that the source of our dissatisfaction lies in our impulsive dependency on our reflexive senses rather than on logic. Okay, so these guys were obviously thinkers and put forth their stoic philosophy. Now, it doesn't concern itself with lots of complicated theories about the world, but it does concentrate on helping us overcome destructive emotions, act on what can be acted upon. It's built for action, not for debate. So again, your three principal leaders, Marcus Aurelius, who was the emperor of the Roman Empire, at one point was the most powerful man on earth. He sat down each day to write himself notes about things like restraint, compassion, and humility. Now, Epictetus uh, endured the horrors of slavery and founded his own school where he taught many of Rome's greatest minds. And Seneca 
lots of writings from Seneca, when Nero turned on him and demanded his suicide, could only think of comforting his wife and his friends. Okay? But there's not just those three. Stoicism has been practiced throughout the ages by kings, presidents, artists, writers, and entrepreneurs. Um, so um, we can get into more of that later, but that basically gives you um, some background. Now, this wasn't just 3rd century BC. The founding fathers were inspired, like George Washington. He was introduced to Stoicism by his neighbors when he was just 17, and he even had a play about it uh, that inspired his men during Valley Forge. Thomas Jefferson had a copy of Seneca in his nightstand when he died, so this stuff lives on. Um, I think that's probably a pretty good uh, intro to it. So now we get into the Okay, what am I supposed to do with that part? So we have some practices that the Stoics, uh, some of their, I guess their principles of how to actually apply that. Does that all make sense, Tim? I tried to kind of translate that into no, a modern No, it does. Version. And guys, listen, so we're going to go, Julie's going to go through and she's going to read a few of the tenets of Stoicism to you today. And this is more of like a history lesson, but really this is a personal, this is a business and, and life philosophy that, as Julie's just read to you, some of the most influential people in the history of history have practiced. And they haven't done this by accident. They've done this overtly. So if you guys are looking for a set of rules to sort of govern uh, your life by, there's probably not much better that's going to be, that you're going to come across more than stoicism. And it's interesting. A lot of, you heard what Julie said. This is from the, a lot of this is started really in the third century before Christ. You're going to find a lot of the principles from the Bible uh, are also going to be uh, similar to the Stoic principles of how to basically treat others and how to treat yourself. Now, again, we're giving this to you because a lot of you guys want to basically have a real sort of firm idea of how you're supposed to behave and what's right and what's wrong. A lot of us have been sold on the idea that it's okay that a lot of people operate within the gray area. We've been sold on the idea that you don't have to necessarily have integrity with every single thing that you do. There seems to be a lack of real center and soul in a lot of what's happening in our society right now. And we see this with your confusion. We see this with you guys being confused about money and how to, you know, basically interact with your competitors and how to basically what what really what it means to truly be successful and not just financially. So these stoic principles are have been a guiding north star for Julie and I and we think they're going to be the same thing for you guys. So Julie, just get right in. All right, perfect. So the first thought that they had was to actually practice misfortune. This is an interesting concept and Seneca wrote, quote, it is in times of security that the spirit should be preparing itself for difficult times. While fortune is bestowing favors on, it is then the time for, uh, for it to be strengthened against her rebuffs. Well, how do you translate that? Well, Seneca was very wealthy as the advisor of Nero. Remember, Nero was the uh, founder of Stoicism and suggested that we ought to set aside a certain number of days each month to practice poverty. Now, when I read that, Tim, I had Howard Brinton's voice in my head saying, start every day at zero, right? So what he meant by that was to act as if you already were at zero, not to actually wait until your bank account was there, because the actions you take when you're feeling poverty are so much more direct. You don't screw around. You don't wait to get started someday to take action. So Seneca said, take, a little food, take very little food, wear your worst clothes, Get away from the comfort of your home and your bed. Put yourself face-to-face -face with want, he said, and you'll ask yourself, is this what I used to dread? It's important to remember that it's an exercise and not a rhetorical device. He doesn't mean to think about misfortune. He means to actually live it. Comfort is the worst kind of slavery because you're always afraid that something or someone will take it away. 
But if you cannot just anticipate but practice misfortune, then chance loses its ability to disrupt your life. I think that's kind of a big thought, right? It touches a little bit on scarcity versus abundance and how we but think also, about our fortune. Go ahead. It also touches on something that really has, has kind of plagued our society. How many of us basically spend all of our days just trying to be comfortable? And so if you're just trying to be comfortable, when we ask you to do something that makes you uncomfortable, it kind of runs afoul of essentially how you've been living your life, right? Isn't that essentially what we're sold on nowadays, that your whole life is supposed to be centered around getting to comfort and staying in comfort as long as you can? And yet you guys are wondering why you're not achieving what you wanted to achieve. You wonder why you're fat. You wonder why your life and your relationships aren't what they're supposed to be. It's because you've taken the easy way out and just focused on comfort. And what the Stoics actually believed, and it's interesting, Tim Ferriss in one of his books talked about about this. Uh, actually, it was one of the uh, books that we read, and Tim Ferriss was a, a co-author of it. I, now I'm remembering. And the essence of it was that um, they knew people who literally would go, and even though they were multimillionaires, would go and basically live on the streets. And they did this as a rule. They did this for like a week, a year. And they'd be homeless, and they'd really kind of experience what it truly felt like to be broke, to be scared, to be you know in harm's way. All the things that they feared the most um, you know, essentially all their deepest, darkest gremlins, they went and jumped right into the mosh pit with them when they were living like that, and they realized, and they overcame it, and that made them stronger. That made them more confident. So it's interesting. Sometimes what we fear the most is losing our comfort, and by losing our comfort, it means that to us it's the loss of all kinds of social dignity, so status, all the rest of it. But really, what is that like to be in that situation? And once you realize that you can get yourself back out of it, if you ever were to find yourself in that situation, with 99.9% .9 of you never will, but if you were to be in that situation, when you know you could pull yourself back out of it, that is a, an incredible feeling. Empowering. And the flip side to it, if you guys come from you know basically nothing or less than nothing like Julie and I did, Sometimes you guys climb your way out of the, you know, up the ladder only to a certain level, and then you start building yourselves these nice comfortable cages, and you are fearful of losing that comfortable cage, and then you start, you stop growing and you stop improving. You lock yourself into a way of thinking and a way of acting. And what the Stoics suggest, and this is definitely true, guys, you don't even have to philosophize on this, is if you stall out and you don't constantly improve, you will lose what you have. So the great, so, and put in Napoleon Hill's, uh, you know, way. Of saying it, whatever the man, whatever the ma a mind of man can uh, achieve or believe, conceive and believe, he will achieve. So if you're conceiving and believing that you're going to have poverty in your life, you're going to actually achieve that. And what the Stoics suggest is, is if you make that so you're no longer fearful of it, and you can actually realize that it's not this big horrible thing. They're not saying you'll invite it into your life, but they'll say you'll actually excel beyond it, and will never be. It won't be the anchor that holds you down anymore. Jules. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it did remind me, I had a call with one of our premier coaching members yesterday. Her name is Christy. And she had gone through a series of relocations with her husband, all different states, I think four times in less than 10 years, something like that, and had been very successful until they hit their new market, which is harder to crack into. And they'd been through some financial stress and strain. And it, this, when I was reading this, it made me think of her. And it also made me think of, uh, you know, in terms of taking that that stress that financial stress and realizing that it's actually a strength that you've been through it and kicked its butt because now you know you can do it and it reminded me remember when we were a part of the yeo group and we were around some people that kind of did grow up with uh 
better level Money. of wealth and prediction yeah. of that and kind of had their, their family businesses and what have you. And I remember back then thinking, and you and I talked about this, that their level of fear of loss because they had never actually experienced it was so much higher than our fear of it because we'd lived through it and persevered. And I thought that was interesting. So that kind of plays into this stoic philosophy of now and then actually experience that and know that you can get through it and make it an actual uh, strength rather than a weakness. So they said, practice what you fear, whether it's a simulation in your mind or in real life, the downside is almost always reversible or transient, actually confronted instead of living in fear. And as you said, building yourself a nice comfy cave where you can become complacent. So let's move cage, on to actually, the, yeah. cage. Yeah. cage. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So point number two, train perception to avoid good and bad. And I think you and I have talked about this before. Our translation was don't deem everything either a positive or a negative. Instead, replace it with too soon to tell or what's the lesson. So Marcus Aurelius wrote about this, quote, choose not to be harmed and you won't feel harmed. Don't feel harmed and you haven't been. In other words, choose how you're going to feel and don't just make a judgment statement all the time. The Stoics had an exercise which was called turning the obstacle upside down. What they meant to do was to make it impossible to not practice the art of philosophy. Because if you can properly turn a problem upside down, every, quote, bad becomes a new source of good. So suppose for a second you're trying to help someone and they respond by being surly or unwilling to cooperate. Instead of making your life more difficult, the exercise says, they're actually directing you towards new virtues. For example, patience or understanding. Boy, there's a lot of that in day-to-day -day real estate, I think. Or even the death of someone close to you, a chance to show fortitude. Marcus Aurelius described it as, quote, the impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. I think Ryan Holiday wrote something that plays into that, too. It just kind of popped into my mind about uh, ego is the enemy. He studies Stoics, too. So we're going to tie all this stuff together. I'm going to actually create a reading list, Tim, for our premier members in mindset and motivation for some Stoic writings, because I know we're going to get a lot of questions about that. So, well, what, um, the, what they're yeah, going to discover is the more they get into Stoicism, the more, more the, the musings of Marcus Aurelius, when you guys read books like that, you're going to start realizing that pretty much all, again, we've said this, now this will be the third time, but I really want to crack the nut and get this in your head, that almost all of the real respectable folks that are in anywhere, you know, say this, the self-help space, they're all their philosophies, and most of them don't know it. Really, are based on Stoic philosophies, right? So the philosophies that you guys might adopt from somebody that you respect, that philosophy is probably founded in Stoicism. And it's our belief, you know, if you go back and you kind of research, like history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure does rhyme, right? And if you go back and you research, well, why was Stoicism even around back in this time? What was going on in history during this time? What was, and then you start seeing all these similarities to our modern age. And in essence, what basically happened back then is happening now. It's all very, very similar. Even, you know, they're wearing togas and they're, you know, running around eating olive branches. I don't know what they're doing. But the truth is, is that their society had the same challenges that our society did. There was a form of feminism back then. There was a form of racism back then. There was a form of, you know, all these different beliefs about money and greed and having too much and having too little and the distribution of income and taxes and all this crap has been around forever. And it's fascinating when you go back and you do research to see how societally they dealt with these things. And you can then study, well, what worked and what didn't. What, maybe we, what, what are the philosophies that have worked for 
you know, someone to have a really great life versus the philosophies that people maybe un- unwittingly adopt that creates a lot of stress and turmoil in their lives. Doesn't it make sense, guys, that you're going to fall on the, uh, on the path that's basically going to get you a better chance of having a great life? And that's what stoicism might be for some of you. So, Julie, continue. Yes, so they said that there is no good or bad to the practicing Stoic. There's only perception. I think you can apply that virtually to everything you go through on a daily basis. You control perception. You can choose to extrapolate past your first impression, something happened, and how quickly many people go to, okay, now my life's over, now my quarter's over, and that's going to be what my week's about. If you tie your first response to dispassion, you'll find that everything is simply an opportunity, okay? Um, actually, they, uh, that's the obstacle is the way I think is the Ryan Holiday book, I think is what I'm thinking of. But yep. anyway, okay. So in other words, to make it practical and applicable, don't deem everything that happens to you on a day-to-day basis as good or bad. It's just too soon to tell. Where is the opportunity? I remember lots of our real estate deals when they were going sideways. Um, you know, I had to learn that instead of making that a big deal, the real lesson, and I jokingly say, what are the real estate gods trying to teach us, right? They're trying to teach us that maybe that client's being cranky because there's some kind of hole in my system or something wrong with my scripts. It's on me. Where's the opportunity for me to improve from this? Instead of just judging it, oh, well, this is going to be a crappy week. That does, that's not productive. It doesn't get you anywhere. So, I think we'll do. We'll start on a third point, and then we'll continue this into tomorrow's podcast as well. So they wrote that, point number three, everything is ephemeral. What does that mean? Well, Marcus Aurelius wrote, Alexander the Great and his mule driver both died of the same thing happening to them. Marcus Aurelius wrote to himself a simple but effective reminder to help him keep perspective and to stay balanced. He wrote, quote, Uh, Run down the list of those who felt intense anger at something, the most famous, the most unfortunate, the most hated, the most whatever. Where is all of that now? Smoke, dust, legend, or not even a legend. Think of all the examples and how trivial the things we want so passionately are. So this is what he was writing to himself to keep perspective and to stay balanced. So when he uses the word passion, it's not really the modern usage, um, as in caring intensely about something. It's more about overcoming what the Stoics called passioned, uh, passions, rather, what they thought of as irrational, unhealthy, or excessive desires or emotions. Anger would be a good example. So what's important to remember is that they replace those thoughts with things like joy, and, you know, instead of excessive pleasure. It's almost like they're, pre- they're preaching temperance to keep things in perspective, right? So one of their thoughts was to remember in the big world how small you are and, how, and to remember how small almost everything is. I often remind our coaching clients when they're going through some real estate drama, this is just a mini drama. This is not your life story. You know, an hour, a day, a week from now, you won't even remember this stress that's become this huge thing to you. It's a small thing. We, when we teach expireds, we joke that, you know, in real estate, an expired is just a house that hasn't sold yet. If you were a surgeon, expired was a kind of bigger deal than that, right? So let's not make a mountain out of a molehill, right? So today is what matters. Being a good person, doing the right thing right now, that's what matters, and that is what was important to the Stoics. Alexander the Great conquered the known world and had cities named in his honor, right? But the Stoics also point out that once while he was drunk, Alexander got into a fight with his dearest friend, Cletius, and accidentally killed him. 
okay? He's a normal guy at the end of the day. He makes, you know, huge flounders as well, like killing a guy, his best friend. Afterward, he was so despondent, he couldn't even eat or drink for three days, okay? Um, sophists were call, called from all over Greece to see what they could do about his grief, okay? Now, was that a mark of a successful life? Well, it matters little if your name is emblazoned upon a map, if you lose such perspective that you hurt your best friend actually murdering him, okay? So it's like keep things in perspective. Cities may be named after you, but still you're a regular guy. So learn from Alexander's mistake. Be humble and honest and aware. That's something that you can do every day of your life, and you'll never have to fear someone taking it from you you know, or taking over you and being in control of you. Their theme was control your own destiny, destiny rather. So I think that's a whole lot of things to digest in just one podcast. So I'll turn it back over to you, Tim. Well, so as far as books, Julie, we mentioned like three or four of them on this uh, podcast mm-hmm. today. You guys hopefully have uh, written those down and go back and get those on Amazon. Continuing your education is a paramount concern to all of you. If you guys decide to just to basically say what you know is what you know and you're never going to know anymore, I promise you, you're going to become irrelevant, not just to your customers, but to also your family members and your friends. You're going to become boring, somebody that only tells jokes from the 80s, things like that. You're going to quickly discover and truly have a friend like that. And we you know, don't see him that often, but he has, all of his jokes are basically from this era from like 30 years ago, and it's kind of painful to be around him after about an hour. <laughs> I know who you mean. You know? <laughs> yeah, true. I know He's you do. Yeah. Yep. Yes, he's stuck, and you make fun of him for basically being so stuck, and he doesn't get unstuck because he likes being stuck. How many of you guys Apparently. like being stuck? A lot of you. Okay. So listen, um, we're going to pick up where we left off today, tomorrow. And if you need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. And, of course, we do have availability, I think, uh, next week for – uh, business consultations, free coaching calls. If you guys are interested, just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. And also, please, if you've not yet purchased our book on Amazon, go to Amazon.com, obviously, and put in Harris Rules. It's now a number one international bestseller, which is kind of crazy, but thanks to all of you, that's true. If you want information on the Mastermind, we'd appreciate it if you would have purchased the book and also uh, left us a great review. And then the mastermind information will be emailed to you once you register, okay? So you guys have a fantastic day, and we'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time... Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.